All right, everybody, let's make our way back to our seats this morning. Uh, we're going to carry on with ministry this morning. Uh, our band opened up today, and we have a guest with us today, brother in the Lord. Uh, Michael Turner is here uh, with us this morning. Yeah, and I want to do it justice because I've read this before about him, but I've never really said it all quite like he's got it written out here. But I want to I tell you what it says here. Michael Turner, born in New Zealand has spent the last 14 years of his life spreading the message of Jesus Christ to the world through music. Solo and with his band, Red Rain, this mission has taken him to over 40 countries where he has seen thousands come to know Jesus. Playing in pubs, clubs, festivals, schools, churches, and on the streets. The goal is the same, to bring the world into contact with the presence of a living God that loves them and has sent his son to die for all. So whether playing a concert in a pub, leading worship, or teaching in a church, the tangible presence of God accompanies Michael's ministry, bringing healing and deliverance to many, many lives. And so that's what we're in store for this morning through this vessel of God today. So would you help me welcome Michael Turner as they roll in an intro video this morning. Someday for a 
Amen. Hey, it's good to be with you all today, all the way from Tauranga, New Zealand. Lift up your hands if you know where Tauranga, New Zealand is. Well, I didn't know where y'all were. But I'm grateful for Jesus for calling and gifting and sending somebody all the way from way down under just to give you some perspective here today. Lift up your hands if you've ever seen the movie The Lord of the Rings. All right. The Hobbit, Narnia. Did you enjoy the movies? For those who have never heard of me before, I say this everywhere I go, just to give you some perspective. I grew up on a farm 10 minutes from where they filmed the Shire and the Lord of the Rings. So I'm the closest thing to a hobbit you'll ever experience in, the, in these parts. In these parts. So phenomenal to be able to go all over the globe and simply be a vessel that God can move through to bring people to Jesus. God is in the pursuit of people. And there is nothing that means more to him than people. And it's phenomenal to see where he will send you when we simply say, yes, Lord, send me. Now, for this little hobbit, all right, I went to Singapore 15 years ago. Well, you saw up there that big, massive church. I was there 15 years ago, 120 people in the concert. The church, that church was only 120 people. We're, we're, we're crammed in this little uh, uh, church facility and, and everyone, and, and the pastor, before the concert starts, he comes up and he says, just, just. Be aware that the people here are very conservative. And, and I said, okay. First song, first guitar strum, the whole place erupts and all the kids go crazy. That, that night, 65 people give their lives to Jesus. We go back again the next year, the next year, and all 65 kids are still in church. We go back again the next year as 88 kids saved, 100 188, 200, so on, so forth, 400, to cut a long story short, 15 years later, this little 120 group of people is now over 4,000. They've just spent $40 million on a facility to be able to equip and lift up the name of Jesus in Singapore. Come on, somebody. And... And all, and all those, and all those 100, and, 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 and all the initial 65 kids are now leaders in the church. Come on. Now, d does that happen all the time? No. But everywhere we go, our passion is to be able to help build the church in every city, in every community that God opens the door. This year we're going back to India, a church of 100 people. We're going to have a Constant expecting about 500, yeah? We're believing God for souls. Europe, all over Europe, we're in pubs and clubs working with local churches to reach the people that may not come to a church. God is in the pursuit of people. And God wants to use the body of Christ, you and me, with the talents and what all He's gifted us in. Every, every one of us here today has a sphere of influence. There are people who you will touch that I will never touch. Point is, is this, are you and I available for the Holy Ghost to minister to the people that we touch? Or are we just living nine to five? Or is it, no, it's just, just for the little hobbit from New Zealand. He's the evangelist. Or maybe pastor's the evangelist. No. 
the Bible says that the fivefold is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. How many saints have we got here today? Lift up, if, if, if you're a saint, stand up on your feet. If you're a saint, if you're a saint. And the question is this, is how many, how many people, how many times have you lifted up the name of Jesus in the last week, in the last month, in the last few days? I tell you, there is nothing more exciting than being, than being spat at for lifting up the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody, help me here. There's nothing more exciting than saying yes to Jesus. Some people will say yes. Other people will say no. But the point is, is this. We need to be available to God to go wherever he says and to be his vessels. It doesn't get any better than that. If you're bored this morning, it's because probably you haven't stepped into that. God wants you to step into it and be a, a radical, on fire, Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, and spreading person. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. He wants to draw all men in this community to Jesus, and he wants to use us today. Amen. Young and old, not just young, old, young and old. Come on. The splendor of the King Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice He wraps himself in light Darkness tries to hide Trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. Sing it out. How great, 
blood on your hair. I felt the thorns on your hair. I heard the cry of your heart. And I am in no Your love's amazing to me. Your love's amazing to me. Fill my life with your love. Oh! 
Father, we're so grateful for your love. Where would we be without that love, Lord Jesus? Lord, we're just so thankful that you revealed yourself, that you pursued us. It's not us who pursued you, it was you. Who saw value in us so much that you sent your best gift in order to retrieve us as your people. Lord, you're calling every country and every culture and every people group to this understanding. And yet as we gaze upon the landscape of our nations and cities, there are so many yet to have this knowledge. And so, Father, you're calling your body to be proactive in giving our lives and our hearts away. As you gave for us, we give 
in, in your service to reach as many people as we can for you. So, Father, we thank you for this incredible moment that we can have together as your body, and I pray, Lord, that you would flow and move as you wish, that our hearts would never be the same by the time we're done today. The message that you have for us would cut and divide soul and spirit and breathe life afresh again to all of us. We thank you for victory and freedom in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat for a minute. Again, it's such an honor to be <coughs> here with you all. I want to thank your amazing pastors for having us. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how a guy from Tauranga, New Zealand, can connect with a guy in uh, Jackson. Come on, somebody. If that's not a miracle, what is? Yeah? And, and so just so, so honored to be a little part, a tiny part of what God is do doing here and there are great days, great things ahead for all of us, uh, but we need to position ourselves uh, for the king. Come on, because we have purpose. We all, every one of us here today have purpose that is destined to literally shake the world around us. Turn with me, if you would, to Re Revelations chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Revelations chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. And it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he. Blessed is he. Everyone say blessed. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. And keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Revelation chapter 19, verse 6 to 8 says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His wife has made herself ready, and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen. Everyone say fine linen. Say fine linen. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen, the fine linen, what is the fine linen? The fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. The message that I believe God wants to deposit in our hearts today, both young and old, is called the fine linen of the bride. Everyone say the fine linen of the bride. As John the Revelator sat in a cave on the Greek island of Patmos, John the humble fisherman, the brother of James, John the beloved disciple of Jesus who asked him who would betray him, this John who escaped unheard after being thrown into a pot of boiling oil, this John the last of the original apostles to die, in his old age, is now a prisoner on the Isle of Patmos for the unthinkable crime of preaching the good news of Jesus. He's working in the mines, his hands are bloodied, his body's battered, and in the midst of this persecution, in the epicenter of his prison, in what seemed to be a sea of hopelessness and helplessness, John is able to see beyond his situation, to hear beyond his pain, to receive a message from God delivered by an angel who was sent by Jesus with insight, with insight and understanding to the future of the world. 
Revelations 1.3 says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. Blessed is he, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep the things written in it for the time is near. How much time, body of Christ, how much time, family, have we spent on the 66th book of the Bible called the book of Revelation? It wouldn't be a stretch of the imagination to say that. It wouldn't be evangelical or elastic to say that it could be almost the forgotten book of the Bible. But the Bible says, blessed is he who reads and those who share the words of this prophecy. If the word of God says, blessed is he who reads it, how many want to be blessed this morning? Come on, help me a little bit. So if the Bible says, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep the things written in it, then we need to take notice. It says here, and keep the things written because the time is near. The time is near where this prophecy will soon become history. And the question this morning is this, what, what, what side of history will, be, will we be upon? For, for over 6,000 years, this prophecy has been becoming history. And in a world flooded with terabytes of different, different opinions and narratives, it can be very easy to lose sight of what God has revealed to us in His Word. The overload of knowledge, the overload of narratives can be very distracting and often confusing. We have the political narrative. We have the climate change narrative. We have the inequality narrative. We have the economic narrative. And, and as the drums of war continue to beat all around us, champion, yes, I said it, champion to solve all of our problems out of the shadows, we have the global governance narrative. Listen to this. Where you're saying the answer is a global government. Why? So, hey, Tucker, thank you for having me on the show. One Global Democracy is here to create a new conversation about how we can make a better future for everyone by dissolving separate countries and international borders and giving everyone worldwide an equal voice in handling the big issues that affect us all, like climate change, which of course is the major cause of those tragic wildfires in Southern California, like inequality, which is hollowing out the middle class, as you covered last week and like unlocking the doors to equal, to, excuse me, to economic opportunity for everyone. You know, and that's what's so exciting about this moment in history where we are right now. Because right now, for the first time in human history, we have an opportunity with new technology to actually implement a global democracy for the first time. So much has changed since we first had the Treaty of Westphalia in 1648 or whatever it was. You know, we've had the laws of physics articulated. We've had domesticated electricity. We've had the arrival of the internet and now blockchain. The technology likely to have the greatest impact on the next few decades has arrived. And it's not social media, it's not big data, it's not robotics, it's not even AI. And you'll be surprised to learn that it's the underlying technology of digital currencies like Bitcoin. It's called the blockchain. Blockchain. And what he did is he founded a company and they started making electronic tattoos. So I, I'm wearing one here on my arm. We, do we have here. a camera to get a 
This is a develop this is a developmental system made by MC10 and it has uh, an antenna and some sensors embedded in it and what we plan to do is work with them to advance a tattoo that could be used for authentication. Now, it may be true that 10 to 20 year olds don't want to wear a watch on their wrist, but you can be sure that they'll be far more interested in wearing an electronic tattoo if only to piss off their parents. Will modern technology lead us to a global utopia? Will global governance be achieved and save the planet? Is this the technology, a tattoo like Mark that John saw in Revelation 13, a tattoo to be used to buy and sell and for authentication? Authentication ensures the individual is who he or she claims to be. Revelation 13, 16, as John saw it, as it unfolded before his very eyes, and he calls it all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or on their forehead, and that no man should buy or sell, save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of that name. Is this that which was spoken? Are we living in that moment? Where are we in God's time clock? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? I have my opinions. I hear what he's saying to me, but what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will tell you. He will tell you. Everyone say, he will tell me. Shout out, say, he, the Holy Spirit, will tell me things to come. In the midst of the darkness, there are glorious things to come. The landscape of our world is changing, but the changes we are seeing are all stepping stones. They are signposts. They are landmarks leading us to greater things to come. Global governance, a tattoo like Mark, has been foretold for centuries, proving once again how profoundly true God's Word is. One of the most glorious things to come is found in Revelations 19, 6 to 8, and it says, And I heard, as it were, were, the voice of a great multitude, the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad, let us rejoice and give Him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. In the midst of the darkness, the most glorious moment in humanity in the history of the world is before us. John saw it like a wedding celebration. A betrothed bride is finally connected with her bridegroom. A bridegroom is connected with his bride. In the narrative, the lamb is Jesus. The wife is the church. The church is people made in the image and likeness of God, all members of the body of Christ. And it says she has made herself ready. Everyone say she has made herself ready. For the bride to have made herself ready, she had to have known who she was. Are you all with me? For the bride to have made herself ready, she had to have known who she was. She had to have known she was a bride-in-waiting. She had to have known she is betrothed. She had to have known the bridegroom is coming to get her. 
And her life, her life, her whole life was about preparing for that moment to help us understand this concept, this truth. It's so important that that we understand the Jewish marriage custom. In the process of Jewish marriage, we see a picture and a painting that is so glorious and so wonderful, and it helps all of us to understand what Revelations is speaking about. So the first step today, it exists in this moment in Jewish marriage custom. The first step is betrothal. Everyone say betrothal. The prospective groom, listen carefully, the prospective groom will travel from his father's house to the home of the prospective bride. He would pay a purchase price for her, establishing a marriage covenant with her and her family. The next step today, that happens today in 2018, next step, the groom will then return to his father's house and prepare a place. So once he's paid the price, he then goes back to his father's house to prepare a place for her. This meant remaining separate from his bride for about 12 months, during which time he prepared the living accommodations for his wife in his father's house. Third step, at a time determined by the father, the groom would then return from his father's house. He would return to get his bride and take her back to the house that he had made. Although the bride is expecting her groom to come for her, she does not know the day. She does not know the hour. No one knows except the father. As a result, the groom's arrival was preceded with a shout which forewarned the bride of his coming. Fourth step. The groom would return with his bride to his father's house where he had prepared a place for her and a wedding feast would last for seven days. Jesus, over 2,000 years ago, he left his father's house in heaven, came to earth to receive his bride. According to Ephesians 5 verse 23, this bride is the church. It says, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. Just as the Jewish young man had to pay a purchase price to obtain his wife, Jesus had to pay a purchase price establishing a covenant by the shedding of his own blood on the cross. 1 Corinthians 6, 20 says, For you were brought at a price. Everyone say, I was bought at a price. It says, Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In Jesus' death, listen carefully, in Jesus' death, the curse of sin and death was broken off our lives. Come on, help me just a little bit here. In Jesus' death, when he died on that cross, the curse of sin and death was broken off our marriages, broken off our children, broken off our cities, broken off our communities. In Jesus' death, the wall of separation between God and his man was broken down. Come on, help me a little bit. The veil in the temple was torn in two. In Jesus' death, sons and daughters were born again. <laughs> Come on. In Jesus' death, sons and daughters were born again. Do you know who you really are today? Do you really understand who you really are? And in Jesus' death, the ecosystem of heaven, the kingdom of God, was released into the earth. I'll say it again. 
in Jesus' death, the ecosystem of heaven was released. The kingdom of God was released. Heaven came to earth again. In Jesus' death, by the shedding of his own blood on that cross, the purchase price of the bride was paid in full. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. John the Baptist foretells of the bridegroom. He says in John 3.29, He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. Before his death, Jesus says to his disciples in John 14, 1 to 3, it says this, listen carefully, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would, I would not have told you. I, I, if it were not so, I would have told you. Listen carefully, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you to myself. I will come again to receive you to myself that where I am you may be also. Family, the bridegroom is coming for the bride. He's paid the purchase price and he's coming for the bride. All who have received Jesus as Lord and Savior are a part of that company called the bride. When we repented of our sin and invited Jesus into our hearts, we also said yes to the purchase price. What type of bridegroom pays the price but doesn't come to retrieve what he paid for? Revelations 19.7 says, And his wife has made herself ready. The bride prepares herself with the understanding he could come at any time. Is the bride ready? Is the bride ready today? Do you understand? Do we understand how valuable we are to God? Being ready, listen carefully, being ready is determined by what clothes we're wearing. How many want to be ready for Jesus? Being ready is determined by what clothes you're wearing. Revelations 19.7, it said unto her, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. The bride that John saw was arrayed in fine linen. Everyone say fine linen. The fine linen that she was wearing was granted to her. She didn't earn it, did not deserve it. She didn't make it. It was given to her. It was a gift from the bridegroom. She was clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. It was a gift from him. But listen carefully. She had to put the gift on. Every country, every culture, every people group has got to understand that the bridegroom has paid a price for his bride. It's a picture. It's a painting to show the world 
love, love. How much more love as a man than a, a man for a woman and a woman for a man? It's a picture. It's a painting to show this planet how much God loves us as a people. And this hand is being reached out to all of us. But we've got to put the garment on. It's a gift. It's a choice. All of us have a choice. And the fruit, the fruit, how do I know I'm wearing the garment? How do, how do we know we're wearing the garment? The fruit she was wearing, the gift was the righteous actions in her life. Everyone say, the fruit, I am wearing the garment, the fine linen, is righteous actions in my life. Righteous actions are the fruit that we are wearing, the fine linen of the bride. The clothes we are wearing is determined by the condition of our hearts. The clothes we're wearing is determined by the condition of our hearts. Proverbs 23, 7, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Luke 6, 25, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, so a man speaks. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Revelations 19.7, and his wife has made herself ready, and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Family, are we ready? Is our life flowing with righteous actions? 2 Corinthians 11, 2, Paul talking to the church at Corinth, and he's talking to the church here in Jackson today. He says, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear. Paul had a fear. The same fear that he had for Corinth is the same fear he has for Memphis, Jackson, and Tauranga, New Zealand. What was his fear? He says, But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. He says, for if he who comes preaches another Jesus, which we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, he says, I'm concerned that you may well put up with it. The bride of Christ is alive and well today. She is betrothed to one husband to be presented as a chaste virgin to Christ. This moment, family, is coming. Let the sound, let the trumpet be heard this morning. There is a moment, there is a moment that is coming as God's Word said would be, as John saw in the future. There is a moment when this chaste virgin shall be received by Christ. But as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, he wants to deceive the church into following another Jesus and a different gospel. He wants to distract the bride from the simplicity that is in Christ. What did the serpent say to Eve? He said, has God said, my precious one, has God said, has God said you are all he says you are? Has God said you can do all he says you can do? Has God said you should not eat of the fruit of the tree? The serpent comes to him and says, my precious one, the reason why, the reason why he does not want you to eat the fruit is because in the day that you do, you will be just like him. 
they were already just like me. They didn't need to eat the fruit to be just like God. The Bible says that God made us in his image and in his likeness. He fashioned us with his own hands. We are his dream. Man did not have to eat of the fruit to be like God. In fact, in the day that they did, man began to be corrupted and the image distorted. But the good news is that in Jesus, it's all been restored again. Oh, come on, that was, y'all come back now. Isaiah 61, 10, it says, I will, re- I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. Listen, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me in, with the robes of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Are we making ourselves ready, body? Family, are we making ourselves ready? Are we wearing our garments of salvation? Are we wearing our robes of righteousness? Is our life arrayed in fine linen and filled with righteous actions? Or have we been seduced by another Jesus or another gospel? The same deceiver is at work today in every country, in every culture, in every people group. For goodness sake, you go to Germany. Germany that gave us Martin Luther. The man was not perfect, but the revelation that he got, that the just shall live by faith, not by paying penance to a church or anybody else, was a revolutionary revelation that literally shook the world. If it wasn't for that revelation, America would not exist today. And yet, in Germany, 1% is Protestant evangelical Christians. In France, 0.5%. The same deceiver is at work today, which is why we go to these places. We're not in this for crowds. We're not in this for fame. We're not in this to be another somebody. We're in this because God has anointed us and called us and sent us into the nations. Wherever he sends us, we go, whether it's on the front line of a war or in in an Islamic state called Pakistan, wherever he sends us, we will go because the world needs to know Jesus. The same deceiver is at work in this place. Has God said you are the sons and daughters of God? Has God said you are the bride of Christ? Has God said he's coming back to fetch his bride? Why do we need to prepare? They've been saying it for centuries. Come on, man. They've been saying it since you're a baby and he's still not back yet. The apostle Peter warned us in 2 Peter 3, 3 to 4. Scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts walking to their own lust, their own selfish, self-centered lust and insecurities. Scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Why did he say this? Why? Because the kingdom of God is the ecosystem of heaven on earth. What is the kingdom? Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it is righteousness, it is peace, and it is joy in the Holy Spirit. 
How much money do we spend as a people to find that peace and to find that joy when it's all been given to us in the person of the Holy Spirit? Luke 17, 21, where is the kingdom? Where does it... Where is the kingdom? Can somebody tell me where is the kingdom? The Bible says, nor will they say, see here. It's over there. It's not over there. It's in Australia. It's in New Zealand. No, it's in India. No, no, the Bible says, see, they will say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. We carry the kingdom and a king within our hearts. The bride is arrayed with fine linen. Listen. The bride is arrayed. We are, we are arrayed in the fine linen when, when we are sustained by the ecosystem of heaven. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We are in the world, but we're not of the world and its values. We are not sustained by this world. Who is sustaining you? Who is sustaining me? kingdom of God is the ecosystem of heaven in this earth. Why did God allow that to come? Because the ecosystem is where the bride lives. That's where the bride is sustained. That's where she stays prepared and ready for the king to return again. What are righteous actions, you say? What's a righteous action? A righteous action is loving, loving when you do not feel like loving anybody. It's loving when they did you dirty. The neighbors know they, they did you dirty. Everybody knows they, they did you dirty. But it's loving instead of hating. It's forgiving when you don't want to forgive. It's giving when that's the last loaf of bread you have on the table. <laughs> it's occupying. It's occupying caretaking. When the enemy comes against us like a flood, it's not running away from the enemy. It's running at the enemy. We hold ground. We stand firm. Jesus said, till I come, run and hide in the woods. Jesus did not say that. He said, occupy till I come. Greater is he that is in you and me than he that is in this world around us. It's a system that is wicked and corrupt, and it will always be wicked and corrupt until the king of king came, comes the second coming of Jesus and rules and reigns on this earth. And until that time, we have a job to do to occupy this planet. You occupy. What do you mean? Occupy whatever God's given you to occupy. Whether you're an athlete, occupy the sports field and lift up the name of Jesus. Whether you're a businessman, occupy the business world and lift up the name of Jesus. How do I lift up the name of Jesus? The, the way you live your life will lift up the name of Jesus. And at some point, you need to say his name. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Why are you why are you like you are, Jesus? Jesus. <laughs> why do you do what you do? Jesus. We don't need to go bashing people over the head. Just live the principles of the ecosystem. There is life. And there's darkness all around. It's going to get darker and darker and darker. The, there's this illusion of life and light. But the people. In the midst of all this, what we see is fakeness. You see the weight. You see the weight. Broken marriages, broken homes, dead up to their eyeballs, three or four jobs just to survive. Occupy, say occupy. Stand your ground, say stand your ground. Don't back down when demons start telling you good is bad and bad is good. Stand up for the truth, for goodness sake. 
Jesus said, occupied till I come. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Speak the truth and love. Hold your ground. The bridegroom is coming for his bride. Are we arrayed in fine linen? Revelations 19, 7, 8. And his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright for the fine linen. What is the fine linen? The fine linen is the righteous actions of the saints. Is our life flowing with righteous actions? Or are we still bound by the world's system, the hurts, the fear, the guilt, the shame, the pain? Can I please have the key boarders to come up, please? The, the lady on the keys, can you come and play? How great is our God again? Thank you.